Intensely Inquisitive, the podcast that searches for answers to life's big and not so big questions from the people qualified to give them with your host, Orion Kelly. Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen to Intensely Inquisitive. I'm Orion Kelly, and at the core of this podcast is a desire to understand things on a deeper level, to know more and ask why. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education, and growth opportunities through open, honest, and inquisitive conversations. Intensely inquisitive. In this episode, we explore the topic of travel and ask the question, how important is travel to our well-being and growth? My guest is Gavin Miller, Australian radio host and one half of the Gavin and Paul See the World YouTube series. Hey, Gavin, thanks so much for joining me. Orion, it's great to be here. Thank you. In this studio of the future, your, your <laughs> listeners don't understand how, how well set up you are here with all your microphones and your bright coloured buttons, and it's very impressive, mate. It's a beautifully appointed uh, plain bedroom, but you're right. Uh, for someone like us, like yourself, who've you know, lived a life in radio and broadcasting, we would never have guessed you know, when we started out, or, or really even five years ago, yep. that for under a thousand bucks, you'd buy a couple of mics, a device. This is a, a Rodecaster Pro, which I paid full money for. No one gave it to me for free, <laughs> just so you know. Right, uh, yeah. And literally, it has everything that a radio station has. It makes you sound good and yeah. it's really easy to use. It's, you know, lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, the nerd in me is going off right now. <laughs> all these flashing lights. It's fantastic. If someone from Rode is listening... Yeah. Seriously, uh, Gavin Miller, number one announcer from Gold 104 in Melbourne, wants a Roadcaster Pro. Can you please send him one and then he'll he'll talk about it. Okay. Anyway, so thank you so much for your effort to coming out. I really do appreciate it. Now, we are going to talk travel because I know you're uh, an absolute kind of, I don't know if these are the right words, uh, junkie, addict, guru, but take them with a grain of salt. Definitely I'll take addict for uh, sure. Yeah. But just for people listening who don't know, and I have mentioned, you know, you're on the radio, you, you're doing uh, – Unbelievably, you work at you know one of the hottest radio stations in the country at the moment, Gold in Melbourne. You, do you want to tell us a bit about your story and sure. I guess a bit about you? Uh, okay, well, I grew up in Bathurst in New South Wales, uh, which most people around the world I think uh, immediately associate with motor racing. Absolutely, because we've got the big race there uh, every October. And when I got to year ten, I did work experience. We had two weeks. I did a week at the community station and then a week at the commercial station in Bathurst, TBS. And uh, that's where I ended up getting my first job. So I've been in radio since 1988, uh, part-time, and then I went full-time in 1989. And, uh, you know, there's been a couple of years off for good behaviour here and there, but uh, <laughs> and I've sort of drifted in and out and, you know, done a few other things, spent some time in TV production and stuff like that. But, uh, but radio's always been my main thing, and it's a medium that I absolutely love because it is uh, very immediate. Uh, it is absolutely a reflection of what's happening in the market that you're in right now. And I really enjoy music and I really enjoy meeting lots of fun people. And radio stations are teeming, as you know, with fun, interesting people. So, yeah, so that's my story. I, I, uh, I've been on the radio since 1988. Uh, I'm a writer as well. And, uh, and then, of course, the travel thing. Um, which I've been thankfully doing more and more of in the last sort of five years or so. And for non-radio people, you know, working in radio, it's kind of like working in a completely inappropriate workplace for normal everyday people, and that's why it's so awesome in, in a way. <laughs> and obviously HR departments have come in and, and they've, they've kind of ruined that. And can I say neurotypical HR departments, so people who have been given <laughs> jobs to make sure everyone who works for them is a neurotypical person or acts like a neurotypical person. And uh, people like me, you can just go get stuffed. Um, <laughs> 
So you were mentioned in an episode of Intensely Inquisitive. We did the future of radio with, uh, you know, a person we both know and love, Bernie Britton. Absolutely. Uh, and when I say, you know, love, I, like I, I'm not joking. I genuinely love that guy. He's such a, a oh, nice guy. Oh, me too. Guy. And I'm um, a big fan too. Yeah. yeah. So he did mention you when we talked about, you know, some of the great people on the radio right now, uh, and of which you're one. What were your impressions of our kind of conversation on the future of radio in the episode? Because I... I'm really anxious that people think me who loves radio was kind of crapping on it. I don't, I hope that's not the impression you got of no, the conversation. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think even a lot of radio doesn't quite understand where the future of radio lies. I mean, I think that's the brutal truth. I think, you know, with, with the way that radio stations are involving themselves in online platforms now, I'll give you an example. We used to, the boss used to, in radio used to be called a program director. Yep. They're now called a content director. And the that's reason right. for that is because it's not just what goes out on the radio anymore. It's, it's what goes out online. It's what goes Absolutely. out on social media. It's all of it. And your content director has to be across all of that content. So it's changing so rapidly that... To sit and predict where it's going to be in five or ten years is just a fool's game because it is changing beyond... I mean, look at the internet 20 years ago and the internet now. If you'd have you know, tapped me on the shoulder... Even music. If you'd have tapped me on the shoulder when I was a kid and walking around a record store with 15 bucks to spend and said, hey, for less than that amount of money in 20 years' time, you can have the whole record store. <laughs> and yeah. it's instantly available. Whatever exactly. song you want. Press a button, bang. It's Anywhere playing. on the planet. Absolutely. So, Without an internet connection. Yeah, so I found that conversation really fascinating. And of course, you know, if you want me to really, really enjoy your podcast, mention me and I will always really, really <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> But Bernie's one of the greats. Bernie really is. Uh, Bernie Britton is really, um, and anyone who's listening to this who has heard uh, especially Bernie's stuff, well, I, I, most of what I heard of Bernie was in Perth uh, over at uh, 92.9. Um, just such a funny, brilliant guy. Just absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, the conversation we had with that was was really talking about, about it on a philosophical level with mm. regards to, you know, the, the way TV and radio started out, which was pure content. Yeah, um, it's kind of where it's headed now. If they want to compete with the other digital on on demand things, if people want music, they can get music, but they can't get you. Yeah, like, if you're only on the radio, well, then that's the only place to get you. So this is it's about the content that's provided, and it's as you say, it's an it's an emerging, evolving beast. What you're doing is working, but it doesn't mean radio will stay where it is, and we have to kind of look at that from a more of a philosophical. And can I just add, so I think it's working, and I'm really grateful that it's working at Gold. I don't think it's because I'm doing any particular magic trick. Uh, I think I'm, I'm working for a station that's got a great breakfast show. That is so important in the radio game. Yeah, well, I mean, Christian O'Connell's the hottest show in Australia right Absolutely, now. yeah. Uh, I work with a great team of people, and our music director knows what he's doing and puts the right songs on the radio yeah. because... People aren't tuning in going, oh, what's Gavin going to say? Because guess what? Gavin's going to say as little as possible to propel the music forward because that's our point of difference. Absolutely. You want to hear people chatting to each other? There's six other shows on the air at that time of day. Exactly right. That can do that. So I understand what our point of difference is and I understand that it's, it's my job to drive the bus and just not drive it off the road. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so no, absolutely. I, I, I hasten to add on top of all those lovely things that you just said that it's it's I never ever ever see it as being all about me. The the result. It's a even though I'm on the air by myself. It's a real team effort behind the scenes to put that together. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, we've got to get to uh, the reason why we're here to talk. But I just wanted to, just a quick question with that notice. This is just your own personal opinion. I, I've because we've we've known each other for a long time, but I, I don't think I was ever very good at um, you know really getting to know you because obviously you know uh, I 
have autism. It makes me horrific with um, making friends, maintaining friends, you know, keeping friends. I'm not a great social person. I can only assume with our days in Perth, you can only assume he just thought I was a prick or rude or cold or whatever. Oh God, no, um, but no. I was autistic. I'm finding when you say, you know, I have autism, you know, I have anxiety, I'm finding that people don't really care because they just think, no, no, Orion is that guy in radio who, you know, um, who was really different, um, a bit hard to kind of deal with, not a great team player, a bit rude. He's not autistic and anxious. He's that. And I feel like maybe that's a perception, my kind of the industry that I love. And I, I wonder if an autistic person with anxiety could ever could ever work in radio again because of the way the industry is. That's really interesting. That's really because see the thing about I'm good at it. That's my superpower. I'm good at communicating and performing. Do you yeah. think I'm good at good absolutely, at? Okay. absolutely? But see the thing is, you and I never worked at the same radio station together, did but we? You were you were awesome on ninety six. Oh, like, thank you. You were no, no, you were ridiculously good. But we had we had you know, mutual, and the thing is too, in a market like Perth, you might as well befriend the people that work at the other radio stations absolutely. because if you stay in that market long enough, you'll work at every station in that market. Yeah. I mean, we're going to give each other crap on the air. <laughs> yeah, sure. But but people don't realize radio people love radio people. Absolutely. And that's the fun of it. Yeah. We like giving crap to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I, quite honestly, I've seen people with all sorts of, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll call them what you will, uh, disorders, uh, uh, strange quirks, uh, go really far in the radio <laughs> business. Because, you know, the, the other thing about radio is you do get to lock yourself in a room. That's right. And, that's why it works so well for me and, for so long. And that's why I can do it without anxiety because... I can sit in the studio at Gold right. this afternoon. Yeah. I'm by myself. I feel completely safe. And I'm talking to, let's say, a couple of hundred thousand people at once. You put me on stage in front of two packed MCGs and That's tell me to talk, yeah. I'm going to freeze up. You know, there's something really good. And that's why I like to write as well. I like to do all my yeah. communication from a nice, safe, solo space. And I think the difference is I've just, I've just outed myself. Right. You see what I'm saying? Out, yep. in, in outing myself, yep. have I cut myself off? That's, that's my it. that's my fear. I doubt it. Yeah. And the other thing is too, you're doing content like this, and I think this is where the future is. People yeah. who are making content off their own bat, and I'm sure we'll get to some of that with the travel stuff. But I just think that's where th- these are the people are going to be the winners over the next decade or so are the the original content creators yeah. because that's what all the the other outlets are doing. They're trying to work out where the eyes and ears are. Yeah, that's right. And get them on their platform. So they can't <laughs> do that without people who are good communicators like you who can actually provide that kind of content. Yeah. Now we both love traveling and obviously we we get so much out of it but personally i didn't really start traveling anywhere until my late 20s absolutely radio was the reason yeah Uh, when did you actually and i started traveling because i i pretty much became redundant in perth um but when did you start traveling and how did it come about okay so my first overseas trip was to america and it was through radio and we're talking 1996 and i was working for 2sm in sydney for a while became kick am and kick am was a country uh, rock and blues station. Awesome. I had a great uh, positioning statement too. Uh, kick AM, turn it up and give it some stick. <laughs> uh, um, it was the most fun time working there. I knew nothing about country music on my way in. I just uh, thought it was a fun opportunity to go and, and work somewhere completely different, which it was. <laughs> it was actually owned um, by Chris Murphy, who used to manage In Excess, not the lawyer Chris wow. Murphy, the In Excess manager Chris Murphy. Wow. And run by uh, uh, Jan and Trevor Smith, who are still great friends of mine to this day, who are just brilliant amazing human beings and uh, they took me to Nashville um, to do a bunch of interviews uh, at a thing called Fanfare which is uh, the country music community kind of converges on Nashville every June I think it is 
Uh, and so if you're a, uh, someone who does interviews or anything like that, you can get hold of everybody in that week and they make themselves really accessible. And so that's what I was doing there. And then uh, once I'd done the work part, I went from Nashville, took myself off to, I think it was, yeah, it was Memphis, Vegas, LA, and then home. So that was my first experience of being overseas. And, and it was, was through work. Through work. So you were but with, forced to go in a way. And with, with, with Trevor and Jan, they travelled a lot. And because it was my first time, I was kind of able to sort of hang off them a bit and just get that confidence. Because it is really overwhelming when you first start travelling overseas. Like it, it's, it's, and to this day, if I didn't have uh, my travelling companion Paul with me, I think I'd be way more overwhelmed I know I would in European countries where I don't talk the language. I mean, he's multilingual and completely brave in his approach to everything. Yeah. So it, it, it drops my anxiety levels to zero because I'm with someone who I know can. And the other thing is the more you travel, the more you realise that the language barrier isn't that much of a barrier. That We're you all can, the same. Yeah, you can have a conversation with someone with body language and intent and just get the message across and somehow do it without speaking the same language. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know? and we, we, we all have a pull in our life. Renee, Renee's that person for me yeah obviously you talked about how it kind of pushed you personally but what kind of things did you learn and experience from your 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 first time traveling oh the one i remember is jan and trevor and i hanging out in the hotel and i go back to my room and when i get back to my room i'm frantically looking for my passport for about five minutes and I can't find it and there's a knock at the door and Trevor's standing there with a big grin on his face holding my passport and he just hands it to me and goes, excellent travel lesson, mate, as he hands it back. I'd left it down in the restaurant with them. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was I just remember that all the time now and whenever I'm travelling, it's the that passport is, it's. do you carry it on you when you travel or do you leave it in places, the passport? What do you do? Renee is the keeper of the passports. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, and yeah. you're, you're right. We do we do keep it on us. Yeah, but then I think I think we got to the point now. We thought, you know what? We've got two kids. Mm-hmm. Life's hard enough. Just put it in the hotel safe. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah, hotel yeah. safe. I'm fine with. But yeah. if there's no safe in the hotel, then the, there's the, no chance. Then it's, we'll then carry it's on me. Yeah, we're we'll carrying with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Four passports to look after, Gav. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. You know the whole idea of like you know getting bitten by the travel bug. Yes. Like, we hear that a lot. It's a cliche, but I reckon that there's probably a thing. Do, do you reckon? It exists, and and do you reckon it kind of it's something that will touch anyone, regardless of you know their background or their stance, and and if they actually go traveling? Or I can't actually figure out people who don't want to do it. Yeah. To me, saying oh no interest, I've heard people say oh no interest so in I. travel. It's so like, oh, how do you feel about sunshine? How do you like like really like what else don't you like? Yeah, like right. are you are you not a fan of oxygen? Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, like- to, because I love it so much, and I think it's really important to do it. I just think it's it's broadened my whole outlook so much, especially the travel that Paul and I've done together, um, and especially the European stuff, that I kind of look at it and go, well, what do you mean you don't want to travel? Like, I, not only do I have the bug, I can't believe that every human being doesn't have the bug and maybe that's just yeah. because they haven't had the opportunity to do it because I, yeah. I i don't underestimate that either like i you know gear a lot of the the way that i handle my kind of life and finances towards doing these trips that's right if i was like you and had kids good luck i don't know how anyone with kids i don't know how anyone with kids survives let alone travels yeah you know? well but you pro- <laughs> you prioritize traveling yes and so ironically so do we rather than the flash knew this or the flash knew that we would yep. rather have an experience with our family on holidays yeah so it's a it's a priority but but, but but also too, when you take a holiday, that means that your whole thing is keeping the kids happy, and yeah, and, it's not and for us. It's yeah, it's right. right. So when, if you have kids until they reach a certain age, and I know this would be this will horrify you, but um, holidays aren't 
holidays in the traditional sense for the parents. I see that whenever I see parents travelling with kids. and yeah. When you return and the kids, no matter how young they are, start talking about all the amazing memories and Mm -hmm. things they experience, that's when you start to enjoy the holidays. So it sounds strange, but parents enjoy holidays once they've returned, when they see the joy... And the stories two weeks later of you know, hey daddy, what was the what was the name of the plane we took to you know Magnetic Island and what you know like they remember things and then that's, that's interesting. When, that's when you realise this is why we go on holidays. Even though when you're on holidays, you feel like you're in war conditions and you you just want the <laughs> you just want the war to end. You just want it. When's the war over? You right. know, do we have an update? Yeah. You're like what's you yeah. know when you get back, you realise and and by the way, in every war and every holiday, right. we're never doing this again. <laughs> Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, right. And then you get back and the kids, you know, you see the joy and you go, okay, we'll we'll do it again. So I think uh, just to touch on something you said, for for people listening who are those people, nah, I don't don't care. Who cares about leaving Australia? It's the best place on earth. I'm not saying it isn't, but for God's sakes, you know, you you don't live in Australia. You live in earth. Take a rocket ship into space, look down, you're looking on earth. Yeah, you're a little speck on a big planet. Why wouldn't you want to see the planet that you're a speck on? And Australia might be the greatest country in the world, but you cannot say that until you've been to other places. And there's nothing that irritates me more than people making grand generalisations about stuff that they've never seen. When I was a kid, I used to hear, oh, French people are rude. (laughs) So where does that come from? It comes from the neighbours, vets, cousins second lawnmower person who went there in the 70s who had some sort of experience that they've then relayed to someone who's relayed that to someone who's... And then, you know, growing up in a country town especially, these kind of generalisations can float around town pretty easily from people who've never been to France. And then once I went, I was like, no, they're actually really lovely. Mm. It's, oh, so great. Bash down that stereotype. Another um, advantage of travel. But the idea of Australia is the best country in the world, yet travel to every other country in the world and then tell me that. And I'll put some, I'll actually put some sort of weight behind what you're saying. And it comes down to misunderstandings, doesn't it? A lot of times people, if you just don't understand something, then you fear it. And you want to spread propaganda, yeah. And that's just that that affects everyone in that affects every minority and, and every every issue in life, really. If yeah. you, you don't know your fear, but for those so for those people listening that are those people, and I I talk to them too, and I, it baffles me. Like seriously, really, just go, mate. Just travel. You'll get bitten by the bug. You'll you'll love it. You'll come back. You'll feel better. Are there any things you can pass on to those people listening right now that can get them over the line? I mean, what are the things that you absolutely love the most when you return from a holiday? What What's the things that they can't get by staying at home? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. I mean, the excitement of I love the excitement of it. Yeah. I love the I love the newness of it. Okay, tell you what I also love is the planning. Yeah. And I've, I've read that in terms of dopamine, that planning is one of the best stages in terms of your mental health of yeah. a trip. Because we actually did this last weekend. We sat down and looked at a map of Europe. I got long service leave next year. Can you believe that? Yes. In radio. Bring it on. Who does that? I've ne- in my life, I've never. I'm the only person I've ever heard of in commercial radio who's getting long service leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, maybe, maybe Jamie Angel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, most radio people don't take long service leave, even if they've got it, because it's as close as you get to an insurance policy of what can be a brutal industry. That's the truth. <laughs> but we sat down and looked at a map of Europe and started drawing all over it and Googling places we want to go. And that, to me, is just so exciting in itself because that's when the whole world is open to you. Every possibility is out there on the table and then you start kind of narrowing it down. So I love that part. I'm not a huge fan of the great long flights. Australia is, you know, the the sort of right down the bottom of the It really is, isn't it? And... But it's but but why? Because it's worth it. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it's totally worth it. It is what it is. Um, and I yeah, I, look, I love every aspect of it. I love I love trying out the food. 
I love getting out in cities on foot, especially a city I've never been to before, and yeah. just stepping out of the hotel. I love that feeling when you get into a, a new city. You that that moment when you dump your bags at the hotel, yeah. and go right. Let's go for a walk, and you just go and you find food, and you find people, and you yes. find places to be, and you're just discovering all this new stuff. Especially some of those European cities with beautiful old towns and stuff that you just don't see anything anything like that in Australia. Yeah, it's just an amazing experience. So there's almost nothing I don't like about it. And even the jet lag stuff, it's like, uh, it's just a necessary evil in order to go see amazing parts of the planet. And you know? isn't there something great about getting off like a 20-hour flight, getting to your hotel at 6am, them saying your room's not ready till 3pm and you having to walk the city and yep. burn time. Happened to us in Vancouver Stay awake for two days. Yeah. People go, well, how do you do it? I go, how do you do it? Like, it's the best thing ever because... Mm-hmm. You know, from from an Australian point of view, you know, you could fly to Hawaii and leave. Sorry, arrive six hours before you left. It's like you started. A, you get a whole new day back. Yeah, that's it's that's like, right. Yeah, and you and you, you you take that day and and there's you know even if you just do small little walks. I don't know why. There's something about it that I really love. When we flew to Vancouver, uh, we did three weeks in Canada earlier this year, and uh, the Vancouver flight had left at I think it was nine thirty in the morning on a Friday. And we were in the air for 14 and a half hours and arrived at 7.30 in the morning on a Friday. <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing? <laughs> and then did exactly what you were just saying. Got yeah. to the hotel, room's not ready, we'll text you when it is. Great, let's go check out Vancouver on foot. Yeah, you're exhausted, but the adrenaline That's rush right, of yeah. we've arrived, we're at the, and especially knowing that we're at the beginning of a three-week trip and yeah. we're going to see, you know, Alberta and Toronto and all these places that I always wanted to, you know, go see in, in, in Canada. Right. It's the just the, the adrenaline carries you through. I liken the feeling to a child who's just walked into a new toy shop they've never been to before and they've got the opportunity to walk through the whole toy shop and explore it. It's that feeling, uh, I'm here and I can just do what I want and it's it's you know it's extraordinary. Add to that mm-hmm. a tired five-month-old baby oh, and uh, a hungry five-year-old and yeah. you tell a five-year-old there's nine hours before you can lay down or sit down or get into a room, um, it's very easy to fix. You just go, hey, guess what, mate? Guess what we're going to do? We're going to get unchanged right here in the lobby. We're going to go for a swim. Right, and, uh, right. And it's all done. You're set. <laughs> so yeah. there's always workarounds. But I'm really glad that you've been able to share some insights and people listening right now can, can kind of hear it is, we're not trying to make it a perfect situation. There are challenges, but there are, there are so many benefits to it. And clearly traveling for you has evolved and morphed and into you know, Gavin and Paul see the world. How did that come about? And can you please tell people that don't know about it what it all is? I'd love to, and I appreciate the opportunity to. Um, Gavin and Paul see the world is our YouTube channel that we started uh, around about uh, six months or so ago. It basically came about as a result of noticing that we'd been doing all these trips and just for fun, we'd been shooting bits of video and taking lots of photos. Um, Paul's a brilliant photographer. Um, He's also a brilliant music composer and producer. And both his photography and his music uh, on these videos on our YouTube channel. Um, So it's a really good chance to, as well as use what we already had as content. Because that's the thing that happened. My kind of radar went up and went, hang on a sec, Mm. we've got good content here. Absolutely. Um, And then since we decided to do that, we've been more aware that we're shooting for YouTube and then we've sort of upped our game a bit with the Canada trip and, you know, got a little, um, it's an Osmo action camera, but it's people think of it as a GoPro, same kind of thing. He paid for it. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Why did I do that? Uh, And uh, 
So I think, you know, with the Canada trip, we were more, you know, commentating more as we're going around the place because we're more aware that we're doing it for YouTube. But It was great. I loved it. If you look at, so, thank you, but if you look at some of the, the older, uh, the clips from the older trips, we didn't even know we were shooting anything for YouTube. We were just doing it for our private collection. And then we kind of went, oh, let's share this stuff. Um, like, is that like Maui? Uh, yeah, Maui. So Maui's a great example. That was really fun, yeah. Where we were just shooting it for the sake of shooting it. It's just a real for, insight into just natural experiences. Yeah, thanks. And, um, and so, and, and Paul and I both love storytelling. And um, the other thing about Paul is, as well as being a brilliant photographer and a brilliant music producer, uh, he's also the kind of person who, once he gets stuck into something, he goes all in and he, uh, he he's got an IT degree, so he knows how to basically face any piece of software and master it in five seconds flat. Like, it's just amazing to watch him do that. So he'd never produced any video content before. I had, because I'd spent time in TV. So I got into iMovie and kind of did the first couple of rough ones. And then Paul was kind of like, can you show me what you're doing there with iMovie? And next thing you know, I'm like, well, why don't you? And he's just absolutely... I think he's done every single kind of edit on iMovie you can possibly do now. We may, <laughs> we may need to upgrade the software soon because he's absolutely thrown himself at it. And if you look at our channel and go back and look at the first videos um, that I mostly did the edit on and now look at the most recent one, uh, which is Queenstown, that, that, that Paul's jumped in and done the vast majority of the edit on. He's so clever with it and he's so quirky and I just love coming home from work uh, on the radio and he'll be sitting there at the computer going, hey, I've done a version of this, do you want to watch it? And we'll sit and watch it together and he's so skilled at the storytelling aspect. Uh, and I really like that. So the, the odd thing is, and you'd know a thing or two about this, when you're putting content like that out there, you're not really doing it with any particular end game. Like, I'm not going to lie. It'd be great to get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and start monetizing this channel. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. But, that's not the point. But painters paint, writers write, yeah, creators right. create, and that's what creative people do. These find things to be creative with and, and do that. So if for no other reason than we'll ourselves be able to look at these videos in 20 years' time yeah. and take ourselves straight back to being in Maui or being in Lake Como or being in you know Queenstown or wherever we are, um, that's a really good snapshot for us to be able to look back. But what we hope to do is actually share that with with other people and what we'd love to do is become one of the go-to places on YouTube when people are researching should we include Innsbruck when we go to Austria for example yeah we want to have a body of work up there where they can go oh look they've been to Innsbruck bang because that's what I look for that's right I mean when you're uh, investigating a new city absolutely is that what you do I type type into YouTube absolutely at at the moment for next year's trip it's like okay Linz Austria L-I-N-Z don't know much about it boom someone's done a video and it might have terrible production qualities and it might have really distorted (laughs) yeah they're not always great really but they're helpful doesn't matter and some of them are kind of like almost, you know, propaganda for the local business community, but it's yep. still helpful. Absolutely. absolutely. And then there's people with travel channels who've got a million subscribers. There was one guy who I thought this was brilliant. He had he was working his way towards his million subscriber. So he had a competition on his channel where his one million subscriber would come on his next trip with him. And then you, wow. go, you go to his next video and there's this, this random just beaming in, I think it was um, uh, Johannesburg. And well, that's awesome. Like, or no, Cape Town. Oh, even and, better. And this guy's just like got this huge smile on his that's face because so he's won this, this prize. And this gets back to what we were saying earlier on about the whole how radio is changing and it's how the online world is changing and how travel content is changing. And we just want to be in on that. And the initial thing is, hey, we think we can make good content. We think we, we know the difference between good content and not great content. We'll do our best to put something out there that we're proud of. And then if it catches fire, great. If it doesn't, 
we're still creative people who want to create and put it out there, so there's still a reason to do it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that um, no matter how fast you want things to happen, realistically, you can work your ass off for, you know, five to seven years yeah. before it explodes. Yeah. People don't realise that it takes time and it's just it's the people that don't uh, give up and, and maintain their passion that succeed and and everyone else can just whinge and please themselves. Yeah. That, that's, what it's, that's what it's all about. YouTube is full of people who went in with the best of intentions yeah. and then three months in realised how hard it is. That's right. You, you can find a lot of YouTube channels where it's, yeah. you know, I did a daily vlog for three weeks. You've got to do it for the then, right reasons. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand. So as soon as you're working with pictures, so much more than radio. Oh, yeah. It is complicated. Absolutely. Putting, putting an edit together oh, is man. a complex, or especially, a, you know, the way Paul's doing it is really, really complex. Absolutely. You know, and, <laughs> and takes a lot of time. It really, it's, it does, as does, you know, producing a, a one podcast. Yeah. People don't realise. Yeah. All right, so for everyone listening, give us every possible avenue we can find you guys. We can, we can interact okay, thank with you, you guys. Uh, so Gavin and Paul See the World is the name of our YouTube channel. So you can search for us on YouTube. What else? We can like you on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, Gavin and Paul See the World is on Instagram as yep. well. Uh, as Ga- Yeah, basically if you search on any of those platforms for Gavin and Paul See the World. But i tell you what I'd love is to get even just one new subscriber out of this because <laughs> the deal is uh, with YouTube, I think it's you've got to have over a 1,000 subscribers in order to be able to start monetizing it. Yep. But to make any serious coin out of YouTube, and they keep changing the algorithm and good on them, why wouldn't they? So on one hand, YouTube are very, hey, you're a creator. We want to look after you. You know, this is great. And on the other hand, I know other people with YouTube channels who they're making cash and then all of a sudden they change the algorithm to do with kids' content, for example. Bang, income dries up. So it's not ever something that I'd want to rely on (laughs) for an income stream. It'd be nice if it turned into that. But as I said before, it's like if it doesn't, it's like you still got to find your own reason for doing it. And if you don't have that reason to start with, what are you doing it for? Like you've got to have that thing inside you. And Paul's super driven to, well, with anything he does, but with this – because he knows, like I do, this is really interesting stuff. And we'll be Absolutely. able to help people, hopefully, who've never been to some of these cities or are planning a trip. We want to be able to be one of the places they can go and go, okay, I can I can get it now. But what I was saying about subscribers, I said to a friend of mine um, recently, I said, oh, uh, it'll really take off if we can get to 100,000 subscribers. And she said, what do you got at the moment? And I said, 56. She said, oh, you're over halfway there. I said, no, 56. <laughs> Not 56,000, 56. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I I think that's the next frontier for me. And this is why I really appreciate your time today because uh, I don't claim to know that much about how to promote this thing. That's the honest truth. Like, we can put the content together, but in terms of how do we then get eyes and ears to it, we believe now that we've got a body of work when you go to our channel and look at all the different cities we've been to that we can feel proud of and that if you stumble across our channel, hopefully you'll see at least one thing of interest there and be able to click yeah. on it. But how do you get that out there into the YouTube community? I don't really know. I'm investigating um, Upwork. Have you heard of Upwork? No. Which is a thing where you can basically outsource the promotion of your YouTube channel and you okay. put an ad up there and so people all over the world will email you and say, yeah, I can do this for, you know, six bucks an hour or something. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm tentatively taking steps in the direction of... Because <laughs> I don't mind throwing a little bit of cash at it to try to, yeah. you know, move the needle a bit. But at the same time, I don't want to sort of do that pointlessly either. 
You know? That's right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, so can you please get someone who's a YouTube marketing expert on the next episode so I can listen to that? Okay. That's, that's a great suggestion. That's a great suggestion. Because that's I'll what do, I need right now. I'll mate. do that. Yeah. So Gavin and Paul see the world. If you want to uh, search for that on Facebook or YouTube to like the page or subscribe, please, please feel free do. to do it. They've got some great video content and, you know, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it if you love traveling and, and seeing cities. Now, you've talked about, obviously, you know, how you love traveling personally and that's, you know, why you continue to do it. But do you have a goal? We have to also talked about you, you kind of do prioritize it. So you want to talk mm. a bit more about the idea of traveling a certain amount of times, um, you know, having a goal towards, you know, traveling, having a break or, or just winging it like some people do. What's your philosophy on, on travel with regards to regularly doing it? Yeah, with the winging it thing, that's not us. We're the, we're, we're, we're the people that do the spreadsheet six months in advance. We're, <laughs> no, I'm serious. We're, we're, yeah. we're the people that will book all the Airbnbs, you know, six months in advance yeah. of the trip. Well, that's and fair enough. Have everything completely paid for and locked in when we get there. We, there are parts of it that we wing it, but we actually really like to be super organised with it. We try to, Paul and I have tried to travel together um, uh, once a year, which we've been able to do. Um, since uh, 2014 was the first time we, we went over to, to Europe uh, together. So we try to do it once a year. That One of the things with radio is that you generally have to take your holidays when radio stations are not in what they call survey periods. Yeah. So when ratings aren't on, basically. And pretty much everyone listening to this, apart from some of your friends, aren't radio people. Yeah. So just so people understand, when you're on the radio, um, because people think, um, you know, Gavin rocks up, picks out CDs he likes, goes in there, plays actual CDs, you know, talks to people and uh, goes home. He actually works his ass off and the music are, is in computers. And as mm. he said, there's a person who's in, uh, you know, a fantastic man or woman is employed to make sure that the right music is played. Yeah. So... What they do is they do these things called surveys where regular people have to fill out books and stuff and say who they listen to. And then that's then the, the organization put results out and go, okay, here's the latest results. This station's got lots of listeners. This station's got none. Uh, and, you know, that's a simplistic way of looking at it. Yeah. But when they're doing those survey periods, they can't let Gavin, they're not going to uh, let Gavin have a holiday. That'd be ridiculous. They want Gavin to be on the radio when people are, you know, saying, I listen to this station or that station. And, Gavin has a very limited time. Uh, look at Gavin like a school teacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He can only go on holidays during school holidays, yeah. in effect, during survey holidays. And that's where um, I'm going to publicly thank my employers now because um, I went to them uh, earlier this year and said, look, um, I've never had more than a three-week break since I started work. I started work when I was 15. Um, there was a time when I was out of work, but that's not a break because that's just anxiety looking for your next I job. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that is not a break. And it's not paid. Exactly. Exactly. So I said, I've got that going on. Uh, Victorian long service leave laws are different to everywhere else in Australia. I don't know how many people are, are, are listening to this to be aware of this, but where you have to wait 10 years to get long service leave in every other state. In Victoria, you can start taking it on a pro rata basis from, I believe, it's the seven-year mark onwards. Yes. Yeah. So I said to them, look, I'm getting to the end of my eighth year uh i've got this situation where i want to take a long break at some point i've also got a situation where paul's turning uh, uh 40 and he i want to do a big trip with him for that can i take long service leave and not be here for two survey periods next year they said yes which is extraordinary good on them which is really extraordinary and duncan the big boss looked at me and said yeah i want to do that for you and i just thought it was so kind of them to kind of see beyond what you were just talking about with the we need you here when the surveys are on and just just look at the humanity aspect and just go okay this person's got this leave owing i mean the company obviously wants you to clear that leave anyway but just from a humanity point of view it'd be very easy for them to go no you're not going away 
wild surveys on. If you're going to take a long break, do it at the end of the year, December, January, when everyone else is away. Exactly. I don't want to go to Europe in the middle of winter, necessarily. It's, it's Summer's easier to travel. You can pack lighter. The days are longer. Yeah. And in some no countries, brainer. it's like our winter anyway in summer. Yeah. Uh, so, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's a great thing um, for Duncan and the, and the company to do. Yeah. And I think it kind of flows into my next question, which is, you know, how important do you think traveling is to a person's well-being and personal growth? Because I can, I can assume Duncan and the company look at it as a great thing for your well-being, your mental health. Yeah. How do you, how important do you think actually going on a travel on a trip and the experience of it is actually for someone with regards to, you know, what it actually does to them? I think it absolutely has, grown me as a human being it's broadened my perspective it's made me feel like more of a global citizen which i think is a really important thing yes and i without naming names i i I know people who who don't do it and their worldview is very very different and you do kind of notice after a while that that, well it's ignorant yeah and not not the people you're talking about i'm just saying in general (laughs) oh no no the people i'm talking about pretty ignorant as well that's why i'm not naming names (laughs) (laughs) um and it's not even necessarily them being willfully ignorant no that's right it's just, wow, it makes me realise and makes me appreciate that these trips that we do, every time you do it, not only do you learn more about the world, learn a little bit about other languages and, and other cultures, it just gives you a sense when you come back to Australia of, oh, wow, I do live a long way away from the rest of the world. We are very isolated yeah. from the rest of the planet. And I think there's a specific mentality that Australian travels travellers have yes. as opposed to other travellers. So I'll give you the best direct example I've got. We've got a friend in uh, who lives in Berlin and we were doing a trip uh, last year and we said, uh, righto, um, we're going to go to Vienna. Do you want to come meet us in Vienna for the weekend? She's like, I'd love to. Great. I've never been. And we were like, excuse me, what? You live in Berlin? You've never been to Vienna in your whole life? She's like, no, I get it. She lives in Europe. She doesn't feel the urgency that we feel because... Vienna's always going to be a, what, three or four hour train ride probably away? It's always there. It's like, do you feel any urgency to go to um, Phillip Island and see the penguins? Well, exactly. That's right. No. Most most people don't do their own tourist attractions. Yeah. I do that sort of stuff when my parents are in town. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly, exactly. So I think there's a specific Australian thing where you get off the plane. You, know, you talk to expats who've lived in London. I've got friends who've done that for a decade. Yep. They've been to pretty much every European country you can think of, whereas their friends who live in, 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 right. in England haven't been to half those places. But I think there's an urgency with that whole Australian thing of, oh, I'm so used to being so isolated from this. I want to see as much as I can while I'm over here, especially if you know you've only got a few weeks. So everyone's got their different style. Mine and Paul's is pretty energetic. We don't like to sit still in one place for very long. You know? And it's about it's about well-being. There is actually, you know, there's a benefit of travelling that just it just impacts your well-being. People, people might not accept it or understand it, but it's something you'll only know when you actually... When you actually make the effort, to and do also it. too, I think we get better at the logistics every time we do it. Do you find this that yeah, every time you right. take, especially dealing with the whole, you know, the kid dynamic, that yeah. there are things, lessons that you'd learn. Well, we learned big lessons. Okay, like, you know, our last our last trip, we just got back. As you know, we went on a on a, on a break, and because of my issues with traveling. Oh, by the way, Melbourne Airport have a thing called invisible disabilities thing. They do. Yeah. So if you, if you, that's right. So if you have a disability of any kind, which includes uh, autism, autism is an invisible disability because you know I'm not blind, deaf, or or um, or in a wheelchair, so you can look at me and not know I'm disabled. But mm. it doesn't mean I'm 
I don't have the same challenges as any other person with a disability. Can I just anyway. jump in there and say, anyone who hasn't heard My Friend Autism, your podcast on the subject of that, it's brilliant. Because I, I said to you privately, it's something I knew very little about. You've, you've laid it out in that podcast so well. I yeah. really admire the well, way you've done Thank you, that. I appreciate it. They have a lanyard program, Melbourne Airport. Okay. It's the only airport in Australia at the moment, I think. And they wow, their food court's crap, but they've got that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> they, they give you a, a lanyard. Mm. I think it might be like a sunflower or something. And in wearing that lanyard, it just has a sunflower. It doesn't say, help me. Me, I'm disabled. Right. But the staff know if they see the sunflower lanyard and they get the mums of kids to wear it, not the kids. Interesting. Or adults can wear it. And then this and then the, the staff in the airport will provide you with services and accessibilities that make make it a bit easier for you. How fascinating. So, so it, it's amazing. It's a fantastic thing. Anyway, so for us, we decided we don't care if people think we're being like elitist or whatever. This works for us. Okay, so we're gonna pay the 200 bucks, which isn't a lot, and we're going to valet park at Melbourne Airport because okay. we want our kids out of the car and in the airport. If we have to take them to a place and then get our bags and get in a mini bus or a bus, it's a nightmare for us because our families, you know, yeah. it's a struggle. That's the first thing we learned okay. from in the past because yep. you, know, you park at those places at, out of the area and the, the bus takes you to the airport or the long-term car park. You've got to get on a bus. You can imagine... You know, when you've got someone who's already anxious and a, and a family, it's tough. So we did that and we thought, okay, cool. Now, we also know the airport is just a nightmare. So let's just walk into, you know, like the Virgin Lounge, pay some pay some money. You pay up, you pay 35 bucks a person or whatever. And, and that way we can just go in the Virgin Lounge, sit on a couch, get some food for free and the, and the kids are quiet. Oh, make yourself a toasted ch- sandwich is what you do. <laughs> that's, that's the Virgin Lounge experience. <laughs> and the thing is, as you know, it has its own little security section. Yeah. So, so that's quieter too. Yeah. So that's a benefit yeah and then we picked the same seats so every flight we took i picked the exact same seats so we the kids set you know that my, my five-year-old son and everyone so we it was normality in every flight right and then we got a like um an uber but it's a female uber called i think it's called sheba or something and it's where they um it's female drivers who only take female people but they also take females that have a husband and kids and we booked that. Oh, okay. And they picked us up from the airport, took us to the ferry, blah, blah, blah. So we did all these things, like you say. We put all these things in place because holidays prior was like, oh, my God, how bad is parking? Oh, my God, how crazy is, you know, our family in the departure lounge? You and know, I oh think my- when you're a tourist too, there are so many ways you can get gouged. Mm. Uh, little random moments. I mean, I ended up paying eight Canadian dollars for a coffee when we were in um, in oh, Alberta because goodness. it was the, the only coffee shop near uh, Lake Moraine where we were that morning. Lake. By the way, totally worth it to go to Lake Moraine. I'm Absolutely. just a big coffee head. I probably should have just held off. But well, I can't make coffee in Canada. That's the problem. <laughs> I got totally touristed, and you will get totally touristed at points. Yeah. And I think there are some moments where it's good to save a bit, and there are other things where you just spend the cash. And the idea of getting from the airport to the hotel after a long flight, that's one where we learnt that lesson a few years ago we flew into Paris and went we'll take a train into the oh oh after 24 hours of travel that is a rough trip so one of the things we do now is if we've landed uh, from overseas uh, just jump in an Uber or a cab and go directly to the accommodation so you don't have to deal with any more anything that's right you know and as you say you learn you learn these things by traveling and then every yeah. time you travel it gets better I tell you that my, my, my best travel tip I ever learned I don't know if you do this uh, when you but before when you're packing You've got one sitting down there on the floor. Uh, grab a power board and take it with you. Do you do that? Yeah, it's a good idea. It's, no, I don't do that. It's, so then instead of, oh, we can only charge one thing at once. That makes total sense. One adapter. We've got one that's got six power points on it. So we just put our Aussie charges and, sense, and yeah. charge six things at once. You've only got to plug it into one adapter in the wall. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's probably the best travel tip I've ever learned. Yeah. That, that's a great idea. Yeah. I, re- I really like that. Uh, well, 
for us, in our circumstances, we've kind of talked about, you know, travelling can be a bit of a nightmare. We basically relocate our home to another destination yeah, right. just to keep the kids comfortable. So it's kind of like a moving of resources so the kids have a fun time. But my wife, like we said, my wife and I have decided, let's just accept the fact that travelling with kids is not about us anymore, which I know would horrify a lot of people. It's about the kids. But in the end, that's what it is. You take them on experiences so they... So they will want to love traveling as well. So traveling becomes part of their day-to-day life. There's there's method in in the madness. And developmentally, that's got to be good for them, I would imagine. You would have – absolutely, yeah. because, yeah. you know, they go to school and they talk about these faraway places and they talk about experiences on planes and yes. these, you know, going walking on beaches and, and, and those – As opposed to, my uncle says French people are rude. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean – But as, as I've mentioned – people often hold off on traveling to faraway places because they have kids. But – Taking a child to Paris or taking a child to yeah. Canada. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'm That's- all for it. Just don't sit the child next to me on a long-haul flight. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> Half kidding. Um, no, that's look, fair I, enough. That's I, as, fair I, enough. I, as I touched on before, I think it, it's got to be important developmentally. Uh, it has to be, yeah. Uh, absolutely, it has to be. And I think kids probably learn all the same lessons that adults learn, right, when, you, when you're travelling. Yeah. It's, you know, learning about... Because it is non-stop logistics. I mean, even without kids, it is non-stop logistics. Yeah. And, you know, once you find the person you can travel happily with, you should probably marry that person because they're probably your person if you can travel with them in close quarters for three weeks and be with them 24-7. It's a, it's a great test. It really is. Yeah. If you can get back and you're still together, yeah. it's a great test. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You think your relationship's in good shape? Do a three-week European trip. Yeah. Get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you've talked about a citizen of the world. How, how important do you think think seeing the world is uh, even places that you might not necessarily want to go to as like a you know a destination everyone talks about but how important do you think visiting those places is and seeing the world is for people and why do you think that is obviously the french example is one um well actually the example that pops into my mind is another french speaking city we went to montreal as part of the canada trip earlier great city Loved it. I just love the idea of now when I talk to you about Montreal, it's not a random concept in my head. I can, in my mind, go back to being in Montreal and I actually have an experience of that city to reflect. Bonjour, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so it's as simple as that. It's just, it's once you've actually seen something and experienced something and walked around a city, you can forever, when you think of that city, have a reference point in your head that's not just an abstract concept. That's right, yeah. yeah. You can get crepes and go to see a movie and the trailers are in French. I mean, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's, Loved Montreal. It's a great city. Yeah. and I could live in Montreal, actually. Actually, the great thing about Montreal is it's got some uh, some fantastic kind of arts, creative and radio cultures in both languages. It's, yes. it's really phenomenal. Yeah, so yeah. It's actually a great, it's actually a great city. You know, I, I, I do love Montreal. My family are from, well, my mum's Canadian, I've got a Canadian passport. Right. So I've got dual nationality. Um, my mum's from Ontario, so my family are in Ontario, um, which is kind of more like a, you know, like New York, really, you know, Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no T in t- Toronto, by the way. Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Toronto. Yeah. But can, yeah, Canada's a, I mean, obviously I, I'm biased. But, you know, we talked about the worldview before. You know, when you go up to space, you look down, you don't see borders. You know, America ends here, Canada starts yeah. here, Australia. It's funny that. It's just the earth. It's humans mm. have decided that you can't cross this line unless you have the, but it's the same earth yeah so and i know you've talked about it but i really do think that seeing the world seeing countries you didn't want to go to understanding people better you know understanding the world is different how lucky you are you know how different the world is i just think it's so important i, I mm. and i don't mean just the sexy places you know? yeah sure I, I really think there's something about it that will help the world will help humanity. And I don't mean that in a cheesy way. And, and I think too, one of the things that you hear from people as a resistance to travel is 
I can't afford that. And to anyone who says that and they smoke cigarettes, <laughs> I say, yeah. yes, you can. Because I think right. it's, it's like if you're saving up for anything else. It's like if exactly. it's, make it a commitment. Exactly. And that's why it actually annoys me a little bit when people go, oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, so like, yeah. oh, no. I mean, yes, on, on, in one sense, I'm lucky that I'm sitting here in front of you and we're two, you know, fundamentally healthy human beings. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. lucky. You're lucky you're alive. I'm yeah. lucky that, you know, yeah. out of all the sperm that made That's it, right. I was the one that made it. I was the fastest swimmer. Hi. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm fundamentally yeah, yeah. lucky. But I manufacture a situation where I create what people describe as luck. So it rubs up against me a bit the wrong way when people go, oh, you're so lucky. I could, I'm, or I'm jealous. It's like, yeah. well... Off on another holiday, are we? Yeah, like, rearrange your own life if <laughs> yeah. it's a priority to you so you can do it. But then, of course, when you say that to people who are parents, there's, there's you know, or people who have a huge mortgage, there are a lot of pressures that other people have that do actually stop them from travelling, and I'm sensitive to that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sensitive to that at all. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's because I'm autistic. But look, the, the fact, and, <laughs> I and I rationalise truth, that's a difference. The autistic people rationalise truth as it's a rational thing to tell the truth, where yeah. you know, neurotypical go, that's rude. Right. The, the, the reason why I say this is because... Maybe I don't care either, but I'm just trying not to sound like an asshole. I'm married with kids, you know, have a mortgage, we don't make lots of money, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's a reality, you know, paying for kids to go to school and different things. Yeah. We prioritise. We choose things over other things. And, and that's, I guess, what I'm getting at. When someone says, yeah. you're lucky or I'm jealous, it's like this didn't happen by accident. I didn't, I didn't stumble into this. No, you get a, I oh, made yeah. it a priority. And I don't generally, I mean, I've, I haven't set foot in a nightclub in, in 10 years. I mean, I'm yeah. older now, I've got no interest in it anyway. But, you know, there's a lot of normal expenses that yeah. I forgo. Like 200 bucks on a, on drinks for one night. I mean, you know, seriously. In order to pay for these trips. Yeah, like exactly. it's a, It is a commitment behind <laughs> exactly. the scenes. Yeah. And this is the one thing, Gav, that always gets me angry. Excuses. And again, it right. might be the way I see the world, yep. but it really, like, for, seriously, if... If I say, mate, you should just follow your dreams and follow your happiness and if you, if you don't like your job, quit your job and just do what you want to do and then they, they look at me like I'm, I'm a moron. You know, what I think to them is, well, hang on, mate. Maybe, you know, if, you, if you're saying you can't afford to, um, okay, so stop stop having $5 coffees three times a day. <laughs> yeah. Stop having a $2,500 smartphone. You know, stop buying clothes. You actually, no one looks at your clothes. No one cares what clothes you're wearing. They're just clothes. No one cares what shoes you have. No one cares what car you you're in you're the only person that cares and all you're really doing is you're working in a job you hate to make money you don't have to buy things you don't like to impress people you don't that don't like you I mean, Precisely. It's, it's utterly ridiculous yeah. so i'm i'm completely on the same page as you with that but i think i'm gonna have to temper myself again <laughs> <laughs> it's your show you can do whatever the hell you like people though as you've talked about they accumulate you know hundreds sometimes thousands of hours of annual leave and it's not just radio you know i find from my personal experience you know healthcare professionals they yeah. also it's very hard you know every doctor just can't go on holidays at once Whoa, well who, yeah who you know, there's uh, that and i think in in radio and a lot of creative professions because it's a, a job that if i left tomorrow there'd be 50 million people lined up outside the door who could do my job as well if not better than i can so, That's not true. So there'd, oh, be no. pe- there'd be people lined up to do your job. <laughs> but but not- I think <laughs> you learn to live with an anvil hanging over your head, if, yeah. if that makes any sense. Like, it's just a radio thing. It's just you learn yeah. to live with the constant thing of this could all end tomorrow. People are scared of taking holidays. As you say, they look at it like they're their payout. Yeah, their I talk annual to, leaves. You know, I talked to my dad about this. My dad was uh, in the New South Wales Public Service at the... Uh, well, it was the CMA, the Central Mapping Authority. So back when maps used to all be on paper, Dad wow. used to run the uh, uh, the store that had made all the, um, uh, when I say the store, like yeah, the yeah. storeroom that yeah. had all the paper that made all the maps, right? This was Dad's thing wow. for 35 years. They were down in, uh, Mum and Dad were down recently in Melbourne and I said uh, about this long service leave thing. I said, so Dad, what did you do? 
I'm trying to remember, Dad. Did you take long service leave? And he said, no. He said, I had three lots of long service leave built up. And he said, I retired early. So I took, the, I took it all right at the end. And that's how I retired, you know, nine months earlier than he was going to. He said, but the tax department swiped me so much money on my way out the door. Dad actually is not someone who walks around with a lot of regrets, but he regrets he didn't do long service leave. And I've talked to an accountant friend who says, absolutely, take the time yeah, because yeah. the government will take the money if you leave it there. Exactly. So a- another reason, if you can get employers who are nice like mine and actually get it, yeah. ask for the time off. Do it. See the world. Sometimes people have to reset their minds and go back to the – people overthink. Go back to the basic necessity. What is annual leave? Annual leave – is something that has been put into workplace contracts so workers are able to have rest and recreation. That's the point of it. It's designed so you have regular rest and recreation from your job. Having annual leave build up hundreds, thousands of hours because you never go on holidays. You, you know, you do it for your own personal reasons, job demands, anxiety, whatever. That's yeah. fine. That's you, man. That's the, I'm happy with that. But what I'm trying to say is you need to reassess why it's there and why you're not taking it. And do you think... People place enough importance on taking regular breaks from work to travel, and do you think it is important to do that? hundred percent. I think it's important, and I think the the, the the that idea that you just mentioned, I think that's changing because what I've noticed uh, happens uh, in radio stations I've been at, and also talking to friends and other businesses is they won't let you build up leave now. You'll that's get a right. you'll get a call from HR going, uh, we, "Sorry, but you need to take holidays." That's right. From a um, you know a, a company point of view, they don't want it on their books because it costs them a lot of money. And have. that's absolutely happening. Yeah, so I, I think good luck trying to build up thousands of hours of annual leave now because usually your company will go, no, 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 we're going to make you take holidays. Yeah, and just, yeah. sorry, just the just the Monash law student that popped up. I'm sorry, I pop up sometimes. I'm Monash law student. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, if your employer does that, I'm sorry to give you legal advice. I'm yeah. not a lawyer. Right. Uh, if your if your employer does that, they can only ask you or order you to take leave if they have under the act to find it as uh, an excessive balance okay so just so everyone's clear good to know your employer must prove you have an excessive balance to make you or suggest you go on holidays but i'm the opposite i'm the guy that takes every available minute yeah. of my and annual what's, leave. what's the benefits what's the benefits of taking regular breaks from work to travel well i'm very good at switching off when i go on holidays i switch off my work email i refuse to engage in radio conversations because radio people can talk radio all day yeah, and right. on a normal work day i'm happy to do that but when I go on holidays I switch that part of my brain off I don't listen to radio I don't engage in conversations about radio if I find myself in a conversation about radio I'll deliberately change the conversation I'm pretty good at switching off and then when I come back to it a couple of weeks later however long the break is I find I'm completely revitalized because I'm ready to think about it in a fresh way again and I think that would apply for any job wouldn't it it would and I think you're right. I found personally every time I got back from holidays, I did the same as you, I was better on the air. I right. found every time I got back, and, and actually to, to change that, every time I got back from holidays, people would tell me, because I'm horrible with insight, people would tell me, Jesus, you, you, you've, you've got better, you've improved. And I never understood what they meant. But So you're right, there's benefit in it. Some reason Absolutely. when you step away and you come back, you're better. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's relaxing and tensing the muscle. You know, you don't go to the gym and hold the weight up for half an hour solidly. You, you have to you, rest your muscles. You, you rest it and you pick it back up again. That's, that's how it works. And it's yes. the same thing. You absolutely have to do that. That's right. I think too, with uh, 
jobs that people are very passionate about and I know a lot of people in radio are super passionate about it and have a lot of themselves wrapped up in in the job and they genuinely love it so they almost feel like they don't need to take holidays I've talked to Huggy at, at, at Gold about this our morning guy who's been there for a million years who's brilliant rates number one in mornings and you know he loves the job so much I think I don't think I'm talking out of school here. I think sometimes he's the guy that they do have to tap on the shoulder and go, you should take some time off. Just because he loves the job so much and he's so good at it that he doesn't he's not like looking necessarily to to take a break from it because he doesn't feel fatigued by it. Yeah. And I, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, because you know, when you love what you're doing, say for radio example, you would do it number one, you would do it for free. I do this for free. Yep. I would do this for free and I would do this until the day I die. Like right. I don't want to retire from podcasting. If I was doing radio in a job that I actually wanted to do, um, which doesn't really exist at the moment, um, I'm not interested in, you know, talking for 10 seconds about three different shows, two different credits and five different competitions. And then the, then the CD is still telling me you, you talk for one second you too You forgot long. the news hook, mate. Sorry, the news hook. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I would do it for free and forever. So I agree with, um, you know, the sentiment that you're conveying about yourself, about people like Huggy. That, but I think, I still think, I say to you, sir, mm-hmm. what, um, please refer back to everything Gavin's just said. It doesn't matter how much you love your job and how much it, pleasure it gives you. you. You still have, you still need to have regular breaks. You still need to see the world. You still need to connect with people, with communities. Yeah. And I promise you will be better. You will love your job more. It will grow. And that, that's, I think that's what people fail to see. And I hope this conversation will has helped people see that because I think it's really important. It's not about Traveling because your life sucks. It's not no. a, traveling should not be escape from the world. I always say, if you look forward to Friday, your shit is broken. If you look forward to Friday, then you are completely backwards on life. You must look forward to Monday. If you look forward to Friday, stop what you're doing and yeah. do something else. You yeah. could die tomorrow. I promise you, you could die tomorrow. Yeah. And if tomorrow when you die, it was straight after finishing another day at what you hate, then my friend, you are broken and you have time to fix yourself. That, that's why I think holidays are so important. There are, there are four people that actually like what they do. And yeah. It makes them better as a person and as an as an employee. And there's, but, but there's also, a balancing act in all of that too because you know sometimes I'm not in this in this category but I certainly know people who are you will put up with that job that you hate because you know you've got the holiday that you're paying for so it is a bit of absolutely a, it's a bit of a balancing act as well and that's you know sometimes yeah. in life you've got to eat a bit of a shit sandwich in order to get the desired result right and and the Abs- job yeah. and the job can be that sandwich and you can hate it but you know if you know on balance it's getting you where you want to be and where you want to be is overseas in three months, then okay, you're doing it for, you know, there's a reason there to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Jo- yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have to live life. Yeah. You know, jobs are helping you live life. Yeah. And They're, that's what most people's yeah. jobs are. They're that necessary bullshit thing that they have to do. I'm swearing a lot now. I'm sorry. You're uh, allowed to. Uh, really? Great. Um, who? Yeah, it's that, it's that thing that you kind of have to do, but it's a means to an end and you've got another goal in mind. The people I feel sorry for are the people who roll into the job that, I don't know if I feel sorry for them. I feel like slapping them. Who roll into the job that they don't like every day, but they've got no end goal in mind, mm. and they're just going to kind of That's exist. Right. It has to be a really? means to an end. Yeah, there's got to be a goal. There's a somewhere. bridge. It has to be a bridge. Yeah, otherwise, a bridge to your happiness, a bridge to your goal, a bridge absolutely. to your purpose. Absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes you've got to jump off a cliff and hope for the best and and go for what makes you happy, whether it's travel or leaving a job or leaving a relationship or whatever it is that you've got to do. But if it's not working, you've got to change it. You can't just sit there and whinge about it. Yeah. Well, 
Traveling is super important. Uh, I, I utterly adore traveling. I love seeing the world. And I, I only talk about it because I know how beneficial it is to me as a person and, you know, to regular everyday neurotypical people. Uh, and I think your content, your online content, Gavin and Paul see the world is a, a great insight into the joy of traveling and seeing new places and just having fun, you know, letting go of the real life's pressures and stresses. And uh, I really hope people can can connect with it. And, uh, you know, I really think uh, you're onto something and what you're doing is just is just fantastic. And Well, I really appreciate that because this is literally the first chance I've had to do any what I would call serious um, promotion, really, for, for Gavin and Paul See the World. And I just want to thank you and the other handful of people who whenever we post a video or we post on Facebook that we've just posted a video, you're usually one of the first people on there to like it. And I just love that idea of if you've got mates who are making their own content and doing their own thing, that little bit of support means the world to those people. Well, if they've posted something on Facebook and it's this, that, you know, you and Bernie Britton might be the only two people that, that like within the first, you know, half hour or so. If I'm online, of course. Yeah, but no, that, it, to me, that's a given. But it most. means the world to us that it, we've got, um, there's another guy called Daniel who um, uh, watches all of our videos and, and, and comments every time on YouTube. Yeah. In radio, you call those P1s. So there you rusted on listeners. So they're our, <laughs> so you're one of our P1s. We've got about like half a dozen <laughs> of them at this point. But it just, it's really, really good because, you know, you can feel like you're talking into the void sometimes. Sometimes, and it's really lovely that other friends who make their own content and get people who make their own content are supporting it because yeah. the money, if it comes, if it doesn't come, whatever. As I said before, creative people create and it's right. really important that um, that their creative mates see what they're doing and support it. So thanks for that. It's my pleasure. I love doing it and I love it. And, you know, I, I, I'm sad that people think it's, you know, revolutionary for me to say that in life everyone can win. I'm sad. That's what pe- I'm sad. People think that's a revolutionary statement to say, but everyone can win. You know, Gavin can win. I can win. You can win. We all have to support everyone to get there. That's what love. Totally. Is. Not bring everyone down, putting everyone up. So it's fantastic and phenomenal. I'm super, super grateful for the effort and the time you've given me and your fantastic contribution to this episode. Thank you so much, Gavin. Thank you. My guest was Gavin Miller. Australian radio host and one half of the Gavin and Paul See the World video series. Intensely Inquisitive. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Intensely Inquisitive. My hope is that it's empowered you in some way, be that through learning new things, inspiring you to learn more and take action, or simply sparked interesting, deeper conversations. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you, so feel free to like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or send me a message on my website at orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. And if there's a topic or question you'd like me to explore on an upcoming episode of Intensely Inquisitive, please send me a message. Go to my website or post it on my Facebook page. Until next time, keep asking questions. Thanks for listening to Intensely Inquisitive with Orion Kelly. For more episodes and to stay up to date, like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook.